Indeed, by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we are here at the final message from this great book, the book of Ephesians. But before we begin, let's bow our heads to pray. Father, thank you for your sustaining grace in our lives in so many ways and so many illustrations. And I just think about this book and how we have grown to come to love it so deeply over these last couple of years as we have studied together. And, and so we now come together to finish it. And, and so, Lord, we pray for your spirit to enable us to finish well. I ask, Father, for the, your spirit to help me in the utterance as I open my mouth that I'd have clarity this morning. I pray for my brothers and sisters here that your spirit would enable them to be attentive and to uh, receive what you would have for them uh, this time this morning together in this book. We pray for the glory of Christ. Amen. Well, beloved, uh, in Acts chapter 2, we have narrated for us the great account of the birth of the church at Pentecost. Peter, empowered by the Spirit of God, comes and preaches that incredible message with its, its application point that he says to the Jewish people gathered there that, that you have killed your Messiah. And they are, they are smitten to the core. They are, they are struck to the fiber of their being with the reality of what has happened. And they call out and they say, what shall we do? And he says to them to repent and be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and you shall have the promise of the kingdom. It is for both you and your children. And then in verse 42, Luke gives us kind of a summary account of the result of that preaching and sets a pattern that's worth looking at and actually we will use as a basis for our final message here in Ephesians this morning. In Luke 2.42, Luke tells us that the church that is then gathered, 3,000 saved and and then baptized that day. And by the way, if you want to figure out how to baptize 3,000 people on one day, then go to Israel on the Doug Bookman tour, and you'll, you'll figure it out. And he'll make it clear to you, and you'll go, oh, yeah, okay, that makes total sense. Okay, anyway, just a teaser. But anyway, uh, Acts 2.42, Luke summarizes for us what the, the basic thrust of this newly established church was like what? What, did, what was important to them? What did they give themselves to? And it says they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' doctrine, to fellowship, to the breaking of literally in the Greek the bread, and to the prayers. So to the apostles' doctrine, to fellowship, to the breaking of the bread, and prayers. This is what characterized the the meetings of these early believers. And so what I want to do with you this morning is I want to do a little bit of, of uh, sanctified imagining. I want to begin with a little bit of sanctified imagining as we, as we set up this final message from the book of Ephesians. Our imaginings will be drawn from the book of Acts, so we're not too far out here onto a limb. We'll be extrapolating from the various accounts that Luke includes in the book of Acts. Now, there's a character we need to know. His name is Tychicus. Tychicus. He appears in the end of, 
of the, the letter to the church at Ephesians, uh, in Ephesians 6. He also appears in Colossians, because Tychicus is the one who carried the letter to the church at Colossae and to the church at Ephesus. He was an, a close associate of the Apostle Paul. He accompanied him on a number of his missionary uh, endeavors. And so here's what it might have been like. Sometime around the middle of the week, there would have been a knock on a door of one of the houses of one of the elders of the church in Ephesus. There, standing outside the door, would have been Tychicus. And that elder and his family, they would have been overwhelmed with seeing him, how they have missed him, how they love him, how they were, they were desperate to hear news of the Apostle Paul, knowing that Paul was in a Roman in prison and that Tychicus had been with him. And so they invite him in, spur the moment, and they say, please, brother, come in. Let's break bread together. Let's, let's have a meal together and, and stay. We insist that you stay with us. All, all plans are canceled. You're here. We must. We're delighted to extend hospitality to you. And so Tychicus enters in. And they share a meal together. And in the meantime, word goes out and, and other, the other elders will come and, and, and join there with, with the family at that meal. So that all the other elders are, are gathered around because they want to hear the news of how the Apostle Paul's doing. Sometime in, in the meal, perhaps after the, the conversations of the meal and, and the catching up and, and, and him relating, you know, how Paul's doing here in his imprisonment and, and so forth, Tychicus says, you know, I've got something. And, and they said, well, what have you got? And they said, I have a letter. I have a letter for you from Paul, penned by Paul for you, and, and he's entrusted it to me to bring it to you. And, and I have traveled, yay, these many, many weeks to bring it here. Well, brother, show us. Show us the letter that you have. And so into whatever kind of satchel he might use, he would pull out this, this letter. And he would say, this is, this is from the Apostle Paul, and it's for you. Oh, you can't imagine the excitement. And, and so it, it would be pretty simple to, to, to think that they would have said, well, we need, to, we need to hear it, we need to read it. So perhaps choosing one of their best readers among them, they, read it to us, brother. So he begins, and he, and he reads this letter to them, and they're, and they're sitting there, and they're just they're spellbound by it. Their, their souls, their hearts are inflamed with love for Christ. So hear the words of the Apostle Paul. The meeting goes on late into the, into the night. Finally, they say, oh, this is... This news is so good, we, we need to share this with the church, and we need to share it with the church as soon as we can. Well, the church, it gathers on Sundays, the, the Lord's Day, the, the first day of the week. 
And because it's a, a church that's, that's made up of, of many working people, even slaves, it's not Sunday morning, for, for Sunday is a work day. It'd be Sunday evening. And so word goes out in the community, and it's, and it's spread from person to person. We have a letter from Paul. We have a letter from Paul. We're going to hear, the, we're going to hear from the Apostle Paul on Sunday. We, we must come. And, and so it goes here and there, and, and people are saying, oh, Paul, oh, how I love him. Oh, I remember when he was here. Oh, it was, oh, I don't know, maybe eight or ten years ago. Well, well I, tell me the story. Yeah, he was here and he, and he was preaching and teaching the word of God with power. And, and you know what? He, he set up this school. He set up this school of, of Tyrannus and he was teaching theology. And, and people were getting saved and they were going out all over Asia Minor and, and sharing the good news. And, and many, many were coming to faith. And, and you know what happened here in Ephesus? No, tell me. <laughs> it was crazy. These people who were, who were deeply steeped in the black arts, the occult, the, the, the Spirit of God opened their eyes and they believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and you know what they did? No, what did they do? They began bringing their magic books and burning them. Boy, you talk about repentance. That's repentance. And, and you know what? They, they burned so many of these books that, that the value was 50,000 pieces of silver. A king's fortune. So they turned from darkness to the light, to the living God. Well, how did that go down? Well, it didn't go down too good. There was this, there was this silversmith. His name was Demetrius. And, and he, he used to make these little idols of, of Artemis out of silver. And he had a pretty good business going. He would, he would sell them because, you know, Ephesus being a, a seaport like it is, there's lots of, of travelers coming and going. And they buy these, these little idols of Artemis. Well, business was falling off pretty bad. And so he gathered together some of the craftsmen and, and, and said that these people are, are disturbing, you know, our business and, and we've got to do something about this. And, and so they gathered together and, and pretty soon like a riot broke out. They'd have torn the city apart. If, if, that, if that town clerk there hadn't said, hey, cool it. The Romans don't like this stuff, you know. If we get accused of having a riot here, they'll, they'll send in the legions. And it won't go well for us. So we managed to, to quell the disturbance. But, but it, was, it was really wild. I mean, for like two hours, these people were screaming, nothing but, but great is Artemis of the Ephesians. Well, Paul, you know, he, he didn't stay around too much longer after that. He, he moved on. But boy, did he leave behind something. What a, what a work of the Spirit of God. Later, as Paul was passing back through, and, and he had Tychicus with him, and, and they were gathering a collection because they were going to go to Jerusalem. Because the, the, there was a famine in Jerusalem, and the, and the believers were suffering badly. And so, so Paul was collecting a, a, an offering from all the churches that he had planted, all the Gentile churches, and, and they were going to bring it to Jerusalem to, to provide hunger relief to the believers there. Tychicus was with him. 
But, but Paul, he didn't have time. He needed, he needed to be back in Jerusalem in time for the festival. So, so he, he didn't stop here in Ephesus, but, he, but he, he stopped at Miletus, and he called, and he said, send the elders here. I want to just say goodbye one more time. So the elders, they, they gathered to him, and they prayed, and they wept. And Paul said, you'll never see my face again. You'll never see my face again, for, for I go to Jerusalem, and there nothing awaits me but trial and suffering. You've got to come. It's this Sunday night. You can imagine. You turn out for that sort of thing. You don't stay home. So they came. They all came. The young and the old. They gathered. And they, I, I don't, it must have been a pretty big place to, to gather them all in, but it, but it was some kind of a meeting area where they gathered. And what did they do? Well, they sang. They read the, they read the, the scriptures, the apostles' doctrine, some psalms. They, they prayed. They broke the bread together. And they listened to the reading of Paul's letter to them. And it might have gone something like this. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints who are at Ephesus and to our faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the kind intention of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished on us. In all wisdom and insight, he made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his kind intention which he purposed in him with a view to an administration suitable to the fullness of the times, that is, the summing up of all things in Christ, things in the heavens and things on the earth. In him also we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to his purpose, who works all things after the counsel of his will." To the end that we who were the first to hope in Christ would be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise, was given as a pledge of our inheritance with a view to the redemption of God's own possession 
to the praise of his glory. For this reason, I too, having heard of the faith in the Lord Jesus, which exists among you, and your love for all the saints, do not cease giving thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom, of revelation and the knowledge of him. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, so that you will know what is the hope of his calling. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? And what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe? These are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might, which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead and and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion. And every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. He put all things in subjection under his feet and and gave him his head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. And you, you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them, we too all formerly lived in the lusts of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by children, by nature, children of wrath, even as the rest. (laughs) But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that in the ages to come he might show the surpassing riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. Therefore, remember that formerly you, the Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by the so-called circumcision, which is performed in the flesh by human hands, remember that you were at that time separate from Christ, excluded from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who formerly were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who made both groups into one and broke down the barrier of the dividing wall by abolishing in his flesh the enmity, which is the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so that in himself he might make the two into one new man, thus establishing peace, and might reconcile them both in one body to God through the cross by it having to put to death the enmity. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have our access in one spirit to the Father. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, 
but you are fellow citizens with the saints and, and are of God's household, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole building being fitted together is growing into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together into a dwelling of God in the Spirit. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, if indeed you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace, which was given to me for you, that by revelation there was made known to me the mystery, as I wrote before in brief, by referring to this, when you read, you can understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which in other generations was not made known to the sons of men, that has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets in the Spirit, to be specific, that the Gentiles are fellow heirs and fellow members of the body and fellow partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel of which I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given to me according to the working of his power. To me, the very least of all the saints, this grace was given, to preach to the Gentiles the unfathomable riches of Christ and to bring to light what is the administration of the mystery which for ages has been hidden in God who created all things so that the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known through the church to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly places. This was in accordance with the eternal purpose which he carried out in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and confident access through faith in him. Therefore I ask you not to lose heart at my tribulations on your behalf, for they are your glory. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in the inner man, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that works within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus for all generations forever and ever. Amen. Therefore, I, prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another, in love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as also you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us grace was given 
according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore it says, when he ascended on high, he led captive a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. Now this expression, he ascended, what does it mean except that he also had descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is himself also he who ascended far above all the heavens so that he might fill all things. And he gave some as apostles, some as prophets, and some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. As a result, we are no longer to be children, tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. So this I say and affirm together with the Lord, that you walk no longer just as the Gentiles also walk in the futility of their mind, being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the hardness of their heart. And they, having become callous, have given themselves over to sensuality for the practice of every kind of impurity with greediness. But you did not learn Christ in this way, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught in him, just as truth is in Jesus that in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old man, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lusts of deceit, and that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and put on the new man, which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. Therefore, laying aside falsehood, speak truth, each one of you, with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry, and yet do not sin, do not let the sun go down on your anger, and do not give the devil an opportunity. He who steals must steal no longer, but rather he must labor, performing with his own hands what is good, so that he will have something to share with one who has need. Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification, according to the need of the moment, so that it will give grace to those who hear. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. Walk in love, just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. But immorality or any impurity or greed must not even be named among you as is proper among the saints. There must be no filthiness and silly talk or coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. 
For this you know with certainty, that no immoral or impure person or covetous man who is an idolater has an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. For you were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth, trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. Do not participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness, but instead even expose them, for it is disgraceful even to speak of the things which are done by them in secret." But all things become visible when they are exposed by the light, for everything that becomes visible is light. For this reason it says, Awake, sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time, because the days are evil. So then do not be foolish, But understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation. But be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, to God, even the Father. Be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. Wives, to your own husbands, as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ also is the head of the church, he himself being the Savior of the body. But as the church is subject to Christ, so also the wife, wives ought to be to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her, so that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, that he might present to himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she would be holy and blameless. So husbands ought also to love their own wives as their own bodies. For he who loves his own wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ also does the church, because we are members of his body. For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and, be joined, and shall be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is great, but I am speaking with reference to Christ and the church. Nevertheless, each individual among you also is to love his own wife, even as himself. And the wife must see to it that she respects her husband. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Slaves, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling, in the sincerity of your heart as to Christ, not by way of eye service as men pleasers, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. With good will, render service as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatever good thing each one does, 
This he will receive back from the Lord, whether slave or free. Masters, do the same things to them and give up threatening, knowing that both their master and yours is in heaven, and and there is no partiality with him. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist in the evil day and having done everything to stand firm. Stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. In addition to all, taking up the shield of faith with which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, with all prayer and petition, Pray at all times in the Spirit. And with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. Pray on my behalf that utterance may be given to me in the opening of my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in proclaiming it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak, but that you also may know about my circumstances How I am doing, Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will make everything known to you. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, so that you may know about us and that he may comfort your hearts. Peace be to the brethren and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all those who love our Lord Jesus Christ with an undying love. Well, as you can imagine, that's a lot to hear. It's a lot to hear. It's not the kind of letter that you would hear read once and you'd go, okay, what else you got? It's not hard to imagine at all, is it? that this letter became so precious to this church and that over and over and over again they would read parts or even all of it. That they would pause along the way and, and read some of it and stop and, and, and the elders might say, Does have any, do you understand what he's saying to us here? Do, do you have any questions? People might, might say, yeah, yeah, what does he mean by such and such. It's not hard to imagine that it was so valuable to them that they immediately paid to have one or more copies made. Because the the risk of losing this is too great. So multiple copies, no doubt, were made. 
Likely, Tychicus, when he, when he was there with them and, and, and sharing with the congregation gathered about the Apostle Paul and, and those who knew Paul personally, I'm sure, had, had very personal kinds of questions and those who were only acquainted with Paul by reputation, maybe not so, so intimate, but, but here he is talking with them and, and along the way somewhere, Tychicus says, and, and you know, there's another letter coming here. It's not the letter coming. It's the letter from Laodicea. It's, it's coming here. And, and, and Paul wants you to, to read that too. And he also wants you to pass this one on. And so as most Bible teachers believe today, this is what they called a circular letter. It, it was actually read by a number of congregations because it, it's so important. What amazing themes, huh? That the Father in his love, his, his intimate fellowship and love with the Son that has been there for all eternity, a perfect fellowship, a, a perfect love, opens that love up to the creation because love gives. And there he, he chose us in Christ to be adopted as, as sons and joint heirs with Christ, to, to, to be on the receiving end of the Father's love. All of our sin, all of our wickedness, all, all of those thoughts and, and deeds and, and words, all piled on Christ and extinguished there on that cross. That God himself and the person of his spirit takes up residence within us. Seals us permanently as, as children of the living God and, and join us with Christ and, and places us together in a family. And the most amazing thing because sitting next to me now is, is this Jewish person and I'm this, I'm this Gentile and, and we hated each other. We don't even know why we hated each other. We just did because we were different. Because there's lots of old transgressions and, and, and long memories and, and grudges and revenges that so characterize the broken world. And yet in Christ, we're, we're one. We are brought before the throne of the Father in, in his one spirit. I'm a Gentile. I was separated from the covenants of promise. Outside of the, of the covenants with Israel. I had no hope in the world. My ancestors are pagans. Idol worshippers. Steeped in the black arts. And yet, me who was formerly far off, have been brought near by the blood of Christ because he has abolished in his flesh the enmity, which is the law of commandments and the ordinances which, which are against me and, and, and he has made me into one new man. This, the Jewish people loved by God, they have no advantage over me any longer. Come together. Equal footing, the base of the cross. One body, Christ. 
this mystery. It's been hidden in the pages of the Old Testament, but has now been made known through our beloved Apostle Paul. Well, how shall I live? How shall I now live as a new creation in Christ? I can't live like the old man anymore, now can I? I, 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 I can't incline after that old way of life. I, I don't want to. It's death, slavery, it's fear. I need to put it away. But it's hard. It's hard. Old habits die hard. Bad choices still nag me and chase me. And I give in far more than I want. But praise be to God. Christ has taken my sin. I am not who I once was. I am the new man in Christ. By the power of his indwelling spirit within me as I give myself to, to a reprogramming of my mind by reading and meditating on the scriptures, by praying and singing and, and fellowshipping with the people of God and, and the breaking of the bread and the reminder of who Christ is, I'm changing. I, I'm becoming in the here and now who I really am. Oh, I know I'm not going to get all the way there to the finish line, not in this life. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. But praise God, I'm not who I used to be. When I burned that magic book, I burned that old way of life. I'm free in Christ. And I'm now free to serve others and not myself. Well, praise be to God. It changes everything. It changes every single relationship. It changes how I, how I see marriage. It changes how I see my parenting. It's, it changes how I see my employment situation with my, with my employer. It, it changes how I am an employer. It changes my neighborly relationships. It causes me to pray deeply for those whom I now care about deeply when once I cared only for myself and was concerned for only what was good for me. I'm now free to serve. And I love it. And I love it. Oh, Paul, yeah, we're very, very concerned. We know that a, that a Roman imprisonment is not club med. We know you're suffering. We pray for you. But we are encouraged that in your suffering, you are standing firm for Christ. May God grant us the grace to do the same should the call come upon our lives. Oh, beloved, there's so much, so much here, isn't there? Gentlemen, and they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, 
to the breaking of the bread and to the prayers. Jesus has left us this, this very simple, very simple ceremony, a, a, a reenactment as it were, that every time we eat and drink and we do so together, we, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. It can be done anywhere. It doesn't require a, a whole lot of theatrics. It's, it's the most basics of things. His, the bread that represents his body, the, the fruit of the vine that represents his blood. We eat and we drink and we remember the sacrifice of Christ. We, we proclaim the unity that we have because we eat and we drink together. And we long for the day when Jesus will fulfill his promise that he will eat and drink again with his church in Messiah's kingdom. Let us pray, our Father. We do gather here in the long stream of tradition of those that have gone before. And although it's reflects the modernity of the 21st century with all of its comforts, there is still that ancient reality that we are linked together in common bond of your Holy Spirit with brothers and sisters who have gone before us and who have partaken of similar elements and in doing so have renewed and refreshed their own faith and proclaimed the victory of Christ over sin and death. And so, our Father, as we take and eat and drink ourselves this morning, may your Spirit encourage us, those who are, who are faint-hearted in our midst this morning, O Lord, lift their eyes to the cross of Christ that they might see that it is empty and that the tomb is empty that he sits at your right hand far above all rule and authority, that he has conquered. And in that, may they gain hope today. And Father, for those struggling with sin, snared perhaps with, a, with an old habit that continues to hound them, oh Father, may you renew their love for Christ and their hope in the gospel even in this time that they would turn from the old ways. And as they turn, they would find the arms of Christ wide open for them. Oh Lord, you know what we need, each and every one of us, how to be encouraged, how to be admonished. Do your good work, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Beloved, as they hand out the elements, if you will just hold on to them, we will partake together.
For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let us eat and drink. Oh, beloved, I imagine that night probably went late into the night. They probably had open windows because it was warm. And they probably advised the young ones not to sit in the windowsill, huh? <laughs> but in my mind's eye, when the evening ended sometime late, it would have ended something like this. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brethren. Amen. Amen. Go in peace.